Pugh takes up position in the middle. Macario on her right, bends it into the... Golazo! Oh my goodness! Katarina Macario, take a bow! What's good and welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle and I am here with my co-host, which happy birthday, co-host, belated birthday, but happy birthday. I know it was yesterday. My bad. I was struggling yesterday, but (laughs) happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. You had a terrible day yesterday. Yeah. Hasn't been good. Hasn't been good. All the Twitter things, but thank you, thank you, I appreciate it. And also, thank you to everyone who tweeted me happy birthday. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, uh, how you been? It's been a, been a, been a little minute uh, since we've been on the microphones. Sorry we left y'all, but how you been? Been a minute. I'm recovering. I, I mean, I don't mind announcing it. Fortunately, I caught COVID. It was real rough. Uh, if you can get that second booster, get it. Oh, ten heavens. out of ten. Don't recommend. Uh, so yeah, I was super sick. <laughs> Uh, so I'm on the mend, starting to feel a little better. My cough, thank goodness, is finally going away. Almost coughed up a lung on several different occasions. Oof. Like, I, I very much don't recommend it. So don't forget, <laughs> like, and literally COVID is, like, rates are going up absolutely everywhere. I somehow got it outdoors, which I think is even more disrespectful. Oh, now I'm shook because um, I've, I've been feeling kind of safe if I'm outside. Now I'm shook again. Nah, yeah, that's why, like, Ugh. literally... It's terrible. I mean, because going to the grocery store, we're like, I have N95s and all the good stuff, and like the real N95s you get from like Home Depot that you yeah. use for like sanding shit and right. stuff. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, outdoor bars are not safe. So wear a mask. Get their booster if you can. Get look. Get them vaccines because my dad had COVID at, like in January ish. I'm sure he does not mind me telling people that, but. And he it was like soon after his booster. That man was sick for literally twenty four hours. Nice. Like he was sick, and then literally after a day, he was like, "Can you bring me a glass of wine?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> you're sick." <laughs> Meanwhile, me, I was in bed all day every day for well over a week. So mm. get them boosters, wear that mask, um, and if you do get sick, at least for most, I feel like for most people, Paxlovid, which is like the pill. They give it's like the equivalent of like that Z pack you get for the flu, but instead it's for COVID, makes a difference. And it should be free. So yeah. But I am feeling better. And then yeah. sadly I had a very sick joke of a COVID birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it was very it was a very dark joke of getting COVID right before my third COVID birthday. Ugh, that's rude. Just rude. Extremely yeah. rude. Yeah. Luckily I did get it though. Before I got kicked off my health, my parents' health insurance at the end of the month. That is like ah, my one nice. tiny silver lining. <laughs> the tiniest silver lining you can find, besides the fact that I am feeling better, is well, this happened before I got kicked off my parents' health insurance. Clutch. Uh, that's clutch that it came up at that time because uh, whew, sometimes when you're dealing with that stuff on your own, it ain't no fun. Not truly, not at all. Like premiums, mm-mm. I have to go deal with that all at the end of the month. But you know, I'm not thinking about that today. <laughs> that's a problem for future Courtney facts yeah I was gonna say I, I know I know folks are like it because we've been living in this for years and we're gonna keep doing it because this country's stupid uh but like 
I know it's it's we all got fatigue on it, but that it's still it's we still in a pandemic, y'all. We we still are. It's still happening. People still catching it, and it's still real. Like it can take you down and it can take you out. Like it's problems. So glad you are recovering. Glad you got the Paxlovid and everything. That's real, real important. So mask up, y'all, please. We don't want we don't want no issues. Um, we're gonna switch real quick and talk about what we usually talk about is to start off a podcast, and that's the reviews. Y'all, y'all went ham with the reviews. I <laughs> really appreciate so it. I, I didn't even know what Courtney was doing. I think I missed it like hours <laughs> later. And then I was like, she really told people to go drop dad jokes? And all the, the jokes were great. <laughs> they were great jokes. Y'all are killing me. I, I'm going to first, I'm, I'm going to read two because y'all did such a good job with these. So I'm going to, I have so many to read, but I'm going to read two this time because I think one is near and dear to my heart. And the other one, Yo, they just went off with the dad jokes. So let me let me read the first one. It's from Megan I uh, I L maybe nineteen or Megan I nineteen whatever. Sorry, uh, little smiley face. Appreciate that. And it says, "Love listening to this pod because it gives me something to look forward to every week." Shout out to Andre for encouraging people to go see games in person. I was convinced to go, and I've been to every Angel City home game since. But never gotten the courage to go by myself if I hadn't been listening to this pod. Keep up the good work. I love that review that is exactly what i'm talking about when you go to games not only do you get a chance to see the best players in the world it's a dope atmosphere and you meet dope people and it's a dope community and you get to get connected to all of that yeah well i mean i love seeing games in person as well because also like as a like just as my core as a soccer fan of like there's so much that you miss on tv and i mean y'all listen to this podcast you like when we break things down tactically as well and so you like pick up on so many like little things when you actually get to see these athletes in person and like, you know, seeing off the ball runs and all like all of this beautiful stuff that's happening that like, unfortunately you just can't catch when you're on TV. And so, yeah, going to games is truly the best. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, that's always a funny thing too. Cause you get to see, like, you also get more of players personalities because you get to see what happens when like somebody goes on a good run and then they don't get the ball. <laughs> or like or like somebody messes up a movement then you get to see like the reaction and you're like ooh, that might be spicy in the locker room later <laughs> like, like it's real real fun to watch that happen um the the second review yo sadie shy 87 is this what i think it is it's a rat numbers hat oh no nah, i don't think so i'm gonna get okay, to that one uh, another week but this one was hilarious because this one is just like dad joke after dad joke uh, the title of the review is Best Football Podcast Out There. What kind of tea do footballers drink? Penal tea. <laughs> Why don't grasshoppers play soccer? Because they watch cricket. Where's the best place to shop for a new kit? New Jersey. There it is. I knew that one. <laughs> How do we know soccer refs are happy? Because they whistle while they work. Why is a bad soccer team like an old bra? Not supporting you. Because it has no cups and lacks support. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one. No, that saved was... the best for last. So anyway, you all are awesome. Always informative and easy on the ears. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Sadie, thank you. <laughs> I deeply appreciate that. We have, Andre, I'm going to get you to read a very specific one next episode. Um, because they also went off, but in a completely different way of a very good dad joke um dealing with numbers but then they also throw in just like some diaspora united flair in there 
and it's very good. So thank you all for leaving the reviews. Yeah, when I tweeted that, I was like, oh, Andre's going to hate this. But then you did respond for like two hours, and I was like, ooh, Andre's not on Twitter. I like went and checked your Twitter, and I was like, mm, he's not on Twitter right now. I haven't seen any tweets recently. So I was like, everyone, go, go, go. Um, and yes, they've been. it's been a lot of fun reading them. They're very, very funny. I deeply appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to say that, honestly, I, I don't want to give it away, but if you're so inclined, scroll down and like give get yourself a sneak preview because some of these are very, very funny. So I was just sitting there cracking up because y'all y'all are wild. And it's wild that like one tweet did that. We begged y'all to leave reviews and Courtney was like, you know what, dad jokes. And y'all were like, bet, I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to y'all. <laughs> uh, this episode, we're going to get into some NWSL trends and interestingness, made up a word. Uh, that's been going on uh, in the season. I think it's too early, really, to like look at the table and the standings. You know, the spirit of playing like 900 games uh, every week. So, like, we're not going to do that, but we are going to look at some more like broad overview type stuff. Then we're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team because that big old monstrous 59 name provisional list dropped today. Uh, so we're going to chat about it. But first, we're going to do some shoutouts. <laughs> Yes, yes, we got some shout-outs. First of all, shout-out to Nichelle Prince. We've been shouting about her on this podcast for a long time. But Nichelle Prince scored the first hat-trick in Houston Dash history. That's wild to me. That is wild. Also, like, truly, what a way to score a hat-trick. Right. <laughs> she was out here balling and was like, oh, this game? You, y'all thought you were going to win? Just kidding. I woke up and just decided to be an absolute terror to a defense today. Uh, and so you know shout- what? She she did she did my favorite thing is that's when a when a player is hot and like already scored two goals the third one is just bonkers <laughs> so like they're already they've already terrorized the defense and the third one's just like it's like icing cherry whatever else on top it was amazing that 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 last she just basically curled it chipped it over the goalkeeper and curled it into the far netting it was nasty and she just turned around like yeah yep yep hat trick that's what I do I loved it. Just out here choosing so much violence. So yes, shout out to Nichelle Friends for scoring the first hat-trick in Houston Dash history. I also find it compl- particularly fitting that we know that Houston is such a black-ass city that a black player scored it. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. It felt real nice hint, when hint, it happened. Hint. Also, shout out to Midge for being Midge. Because, you know, scoring goals. She's got that smile back on her face, which to me, like, mm-hmm. you know that... You know that uh, what meme of like Sophia Smith smiling in front of a house that's burning down? <laughs> yeah. Mitch has it's the same energy when she smiles yes. during a game. You go, oh no. Yes. But also like, oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> like Mitch is about to just be an absolute terror defense. Uh, so shout out for Mitch for being, for being Mitch. But also she attended her first Harvard commencement. Yeah, as a as a board member, correct? So like, yeah, that's dope. She got to do all the extra fun, whatever else they did. I don't know if it's fun, but it seemed fun kind of to her. Uh, but, but whatever extra stuff they get to do with the responsibilities they have, it was dope. It was dope to see Midge uh, doing that and in that element. Yeah, so go take a look at Midge's Twitter account. She posted some photos, but there's just one photo where it's like, God damn, Midge is about, really about to be president. Because not only did she post a photo of her between the Prime Minister of New Zealand, but also the newest Supreme Court Justice to the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's like, why don't you flex on us harder? Why, like, can can you flex <laughs> right. on us harder? Like, are you kidding? But yeah, it's very fire. So Midge got us Midge. all in the mud. 
don't matter what you're doing or accomplishing with your life, Mitch Purse in the story. Like just that first photo, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I was like, golly, golly. So shout out to Mitch for being Mitch, balling no on doubt. and off the pitch. <laughs> Facts. Just you know, stop scoring against the spirit. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you killing him. I don't know what she's got. It's personal. Uh, <laughs> that's who the admin needs to be backing. I don't know why you're backing the others, but anyway, that's a rant for another time. Uh, shout out to Kaya McCullough, friend of the pod, deep original, the first friend of the pod, the OG, uh, launching switch the pitch It is switch the pitch.org. If you want to check that out, we suggest that you do. Uh, it's an org that will create, uh, aims to create an anti-racist environment in soccer. Uh, we absolutely love it. And also she had a happy, she had a birthday as well. So happy birthday to the young God. Yes, yes. Happy birthday to the young God. Also, shout out to Caroline. Caroline is now back from injury. I, Ooh, you know, sometimes. Made, it, made a bit you, of a difference. Ju- just a little bit, you know, securing North Carolina's first win of the season. Which three is, nil too, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a three nil win. But yeah, everyone at the beginning was like, oh my God, North Carolina. And then we all learned that really the reason why North Carolina is back is actually not that they fix their midfield or any of the other things. It's Caroline. Because <laughs> yep. it, it very much went to, oh my God, look at this new new inbred North Carolina, which I was like, I don't know. I feel hit or miss about this team to, oh, Caroline's injured. Oh, they're going to get somehow get keep losing or keep tying? Like, what? Which I was not expecting. And now we learned it's all Caroline. Yeah, it's wild to see how much that changes. I mean, just another threat that that and that big of a threat just completely opens everything up. So yeah, it makes make makes things a lot easier. We saw that in the Challenge Cup, and uh, yeah, um, it is back. Um, there's also a rumor we want to we want to just get. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe by the time this is out, y'all, it will be announced. But I doubt it because things don't really move that quickly. But who knows? Maybe because I said that it's going to happen. But we got a young uh, player who's baller forward. There are a lot of rumors. Haley Bujea from uh, right now plays for uh, currently, I guess, plays Sassuolo. for Sassuolo. Yeah, and in, in the uh, it, it, in the Italian league, <laughs> I forget what it's called. Uh, it's um, Serie A femenil, basically. Ah, okay, so that's just simple. I was gonna, com- I was trying to complicate it, uh, but yeah, she is from Malta. So shout out to that. But us uh, reportedly heavily linked to the NWSL. Don't know what team is going to bring her over, but that's kind of dope. So we'll be looking forward to that. Andre, do you want to feel really old for a second? Oh, God. Do I? No, actually, I don't. But She was go born for in it. 2004. That's illegal. Just illegal. Shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be allowed. Cannot be like... an adult being born in 2004. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this and you were born in 2004, I apologize. I don't mean to erase you, but also... 2004. The hell. The hell is that? Truly the hell. <laughs> like it reminds me of the gen z on tiktok when you're like how old are what year are you born and you're like and you say 19 and they go 19 <laughs> i was like wow oh my god wow. yo they gotta stop with that whole like what was that 1900s hey y'all stop stop y'all stop <laughs> y'all with do, that <laughs> it ain't nice y'all do need stuff. it ain't nice <laughs> yeah it actually reminds me of a uh, friend of the pod fair say friend of the pod nubia of shea butter fc yes, when yes. one time they were like Courtney's an old head and everyone on Twitter was like no she's not no she's not no she's not Courtney's a child and it just kind of makes me laugh because I'm talking about getting kicked off my parents health insurance now that I'm at the ripe old age of 26 but 
Right. <laughs> yeah, it just made me laugh when Nubia was like, they're old. And everyone was like, Courtney's a baby. Listen, Nubia be getting everybody with the with the old head. So like, it happens. It happens and it's going to happen because we all move in the same direction. Just embrace it, whatever it is. I'm talking to myself and that's already how you know I'm an old <laughs> head. So it's all good. Um, we have a little, we, we have an addendum to shout outs. They're called Healing Vibes. We got to drop some healing vibes to some people. Estelle Johnson got an ankle injury. Friend of the pod. Hoping Estelle gets back soon. Fully fit. Another friend of the pod. Jasmine Spencer. I'm sad about this one. Like, real sad. It's an absolute pain. She was balling. Absolutely balling. Not the position I would love to see her in, but she kind of made it her own and Mm -hmm. had been locked down. I wrote about it a bit, too, like how important she is to their defense and attack. Yeah, we're seeing that a little bit. She was kind of like a, a, um, just like a safe place to put the ball, right? So sometimes it was just like that. Like, yeah, if if you have in defense, if you have somebody coming at you, you're hoping they're coming on Jasmine Spencer's side because she has the pace to be able to keep up with them. But she also has the the positional awareness to be able to not let them get behind her, uh, and the scrappiness to be able to win the ball back as well. But then also an attack as well. That's where I think they're missing her too. Like on both sides of the pitch, she's doing a very, very good job on both sides. So like, it's real, real frustrating. And I think what, last game we saw her, she's on crutches. Ugh, didn't want to yeah, see that. it was definitely a pain to see. At least some early reports said uh, Spence will be back in four to six weeks, which yeah. isn't the longest amount of time. And luckily there's technically two international breaks coming up. There's one at the end of June. And then there's also one at the end of July, technically. Um, but, you know, hope it, wishing both of our friends of the pods very speedy recoveries because we like wa- watching y'all play soccer and y'all are both deeply important to your respective teams. Facts. Speaking of deeply important to your team. Same. Same. <sighs> Katarina, Katarina Macario. I have a Tony. tiny story to tell about this. Please For those do. who know, she tore her ACL. Yeah, we don't but know the, the grade dropped. of the tear, how bad it is. She, Leon said six months, but that's like super optimistic. But um, hoping it is one of those that she can be back within like seven, eight, maybe. We need Cat back. Yeah, I, it. Yeah, I guess it really does depend because if it's like, I mean, she said she tore her ACL, so we don't know if it's like a full tear, a partial tear. Yeah. Um, I think a tiny bit optimistically, if something similar that happened with. Chelsea player Ben Chilwell because he like injured his ACL and then he still then they like just gave him surgery because it wasn't healing properly but that technically got injured in November and he was back by May so in the most optimistic sense maybe it could happen that quickly I'm hoping Um, so and I'm hoping that's why Leon put like such a such a like short timeline on it because we know that usually it's it is longer than six months I mean normally it takes somewhat close to a year i mean i don't remember when chloe kelly did it um for manchester city but she started getting back on the pitch um probably around a year after she did it and so like yeah i don't want that yeah yeah acls are really interesting because i remember like growing up playing soccer like obviously we'd hear about someone tear their acl and sometimes they'd be like oh my god like their soccer career is done and all that stuff but i also feel like with um with new technology nowadays because i feel like part of it potentially it coming back really long is the surgery itself also like does some damage while it's happening but now they have like new surgery technology like i mean i tore my meniscus and they literally just put like two rods in my knee and then like fixed it and my surgery was like 45 minutes 
Um, but you know, obviously, obviously it's different, but I feel like sometimes like some, maybe new technology may or may not be quicker, but yeah, obviously we're hoping for a very speedy recovery. Uh, but the story I wanted to tell Andre is that this news dropped. Of course, all the group chats blew up and I said, I haven't heard from Andre. I don't see him tweeting. I don't see anything from Andre. And then I had to break the news to you, friend. You did. You did. You were like, like, have you checked Twitter? And I was like, what, 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 what do you mean? What happened? What happened? What what do you mean? Immediately like, oh no, (laughs) I'm so sorry to tell you this. The worst thing that could have happened just happened. It was so sad. It was not a good time. I didn't know, like the tone of the text didn't seem like it was hype. So I didn't know if it was like, did Kadisha Buchanan like officially sign for Chelsea? I didn't think it was that. I thought like the tone made it seem like you were approaching me cautiously. Like, hey. Have you seen this? Even though it was just text on a screen, I felt I felt the caution, and I was like, "Uh oh, what happened?" And I think before you even responded, I went to Twitter and I saw it. Like it was one of the first tweets I saw, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, last yeah, game of the season. Also, game that and didn't that mean happens. anything. That's like the worst yeah. bit. It's yeah. the worst bit. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, honestly, yeah, injuries are so insane sometimes because like. Also, while this is not at all related, like my old, so my old sister tore her Achilles, like when she was in grad school playing intramural soccer. But you want to know the craziest part about how she tore her Achilles? How? She was just jogging, no contact, nothing like that. Like she literally, like her Achilles just snapped. Yo, I don't see, I don't need to know that that can happen. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't want to be just walking in a grocery store and all of a sudden my Achilles goes off on me. Like I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I mean, I think if I'm being most honest, self, it was probably turf. I just fundamentally mm, yeah. don't trust turf anyway, <laughs> and well, so I feel yes. like turf is just like never trust turf. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, getting us back <laughs> on topic. Really wishing Katarina Macario a very speedy recovery. That time, Andre said he would lay his life down for her. Andre, I think it's time for you to donate your knee to Cat. Listen, I I said I tweeted it. I said it, even though it it got blown up. But I'm I'm for real. Like I got two ACLs. I don't need them. She put them both in. One can be a, a spare. I don't care. Like uh, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. We need. I want. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. It looked like they were finally ready to do the transition. And now, even though plenty of the team probably still and should be transitioned, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But I wanted to see it. And I'm upset that it gets delayed again. And it does make me go back and think that this is why. Because. Okay, I ain't gonna go on that rant yet. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. All right, I'm gonna save it. We need to get right to the rest of the episode. All I'm saying is that at my job, I'm often asked, Courtney, what's going on in women's soccer world or something? Or like, then someone else will just be like, Courtney, who do you think's making the 23 player roster, right? And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, it depends. And then I had like, I had all my stuff ready and then Cat tore ACL and I said, everything I said doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. Besides the Nothing fact that she is now deeply injured everything i said doesn't matter because i was like oh this is a perfect opportunity to like transition or like even though the olympics was supposed to be this last hurrah i don't didn't necessarily believe it would be but i was like this is a perfect opportunity for that good last hurrah be like look you set up the team to succeed if you make the world cup all the things and instead now cat is injured and now i'm like I don't know who's going to unlock defenses. Okay, so we're going to get there because I have <laughs> I have thoughts. And I'm we're down bad. Get <laughs> oh, trust me. I'm super down bad with you because I, I, I like what 
you asked me like what is one of the things that like the like give me a list like what would i trade a personal value to myself and give me a list of like three things that you don't want to have happen and what the value how much you would be willing to give up for that to be the case number 1 on this list with regards to women's soccer would be cat remains injury free and it's all because of that 7 day of minutes like I know what she can do. We saw what she can do. European, like her, her European season with Lyon, she led the team in goals. She helped them win the Champions League. They won the domestic league as well. Like Look, first she, American to score in a Champions right, League final. She did it all. She was like, this was like the thing. Like we've been telling people for a year, like over a year, like trust us. This cat is the truth. She is so much better than even you think she is. So much better than we even think she is. And we think she's great. Like the the uh, the potential that is there that we know will be realized is so ridiculously high, and it's going to be so much fun to watch it unfold. And boom, it comes crashing down last game of the season ACL. I'm like, no, I just I cannot. I I if I would have put it in writing, I'd be shipping all my stuff off, but Cat would still have an ACL, and I'd be fine with it. It's I'm down bad. I'm gonna be yeah. down like I mean we talked about it and. Uh, like pre and offline of like you know so I will say I'm obviously not gonna spill any secrets but my employer has the rights for the W championship this summer and I'm lucky enough to like be a part of that team and I was just gonna be like I was like I'm so excited we're gonna talk about Kat so much because why would we not talk about Kat she's the future She's the truth, and she's also going to score some, like, ridiculous goals and do ridiculous things during this tournament. Now I'm down bad. So I'm so pain. down bad. All right. You know what? Let's distract ourselves real quick. We, we, we can't go into a U.S. Women's National Team segment <laughs> this low. So what we're going to do is we're going to distract ourselves with some NWSL talk. So uh, quick break. Be right back. All right. So to be honest, like I said at the top, we are not going to look at the table. We're completely ignoring the table right now because there's absolutely no reason to look at the table and try to make any grand declarations or whatever. Uh, Some teams are balling and some teams are not. But we know that this start to the season has been a little weird for a number of reasons. Uh, So we don't think the table at the moment is an accurate measurement, but instead, what Wait, we're going to do Andre, is... Wait, but Andre, I have one table thing to mention. Okay, we'll go for it. You just completely st- <laughs> negate everything it's I just all, said. It's all, no, it's listening. not actually about the table. It's that somehow Gotham and North Carolina both have two games in hand. Oh, God. Remember that, that joke from yeah. last season of Gotham always has 18 games in hand? Yeah, that's going to happen again. Or seven, Terrific. technically seven games in for some teams, <laughs> and Gotham already has two games in hand, and so does North Carolina. Yeah, it's just. I know yeah. it's not. It's not actually looking at the table. I just had to bring that up somehow again. Yeah, no, it, it's, has it's two important. Games in hand. Well, see, that's one of the things that, again. Why you can't like the table? I don't think it's an accurate measurement based on performance, but also that like North Carolina was was at the bottom of the of the table before their win versus Louisville, and it's just like it's also because they haven't played as many games. They got two games to make up. So like, yeah, it, it's all that kind of stuff. So instead. What we're going to do is chat about some interesting things, some trends, some things that are happening that we've noticed. Uh, We each got three. And Courtney, you want to start us off? 
All right, so starting us off, here are three things that I've noticed. Andre, first, the first one you're not going to enjoy, but it's okay. We'll get through it, I promise. Um, the first one, besides the fact that the Washington Spirit need a nap, and Trini Rodman needs a nap. I actually think the Spirit need Trini Rodman more on defense than offense, which I know is a hot take. It's a hot take. Spicy. Spicy. But, like, seeing Gotham play the Spirit this past weekend, Gotham won 1-0, came out, honestly, like, to me, Gotham had probably the best first half they've had all season like Gotham came out like flying and for the first I want to say 25 ish minutes um like up to the goal and maybe for five or six minutes after Gotham was torching that I mean technically it's like the left hand if I'm looking at the field it's like my left hand side but they were (laughs) they were torching the side that we would normally see Kelly O'Hara on as well as Trinity Rodman and they were just honestly I would love to see what Emily Sonnet's heart rate was over that period because it was like every two minutes Gotham was down that wing and even though the spirit played tonight Alexander who I think really grew into the game and made some like started kind of getting in the thick of things and knowing how to defend Imani Dorsey well but I mean from that first from the first 25 minutes Gotham was just absolutely torching and I mean torching that side and so that's oh, so yeah. Um, it's actually funny. I uh, I, I like to join um, a lot of the um, pre and post game pressers if I can um, with coaches. Uh, I usually, unless it's the spirit, I usually kind of sit back and just listen because I want to let like local folks. You know, I'm, I ain't trying to butt in. I just want to let local folks ask all the questions and you know whatever. But um, Bev Yanez was on uh, instead of instead of Scott, Scott Parkinson on that one ahead of the game. Yeah, because Bev was basically like head coach for the week. Scott was away doing, he was doing like some coaching training. Yeah, so like so whatever it was, normal, it was... like official coaching training. I don't want to just make it seem like he was like out <laughs> reading books, but like he was right. on official <laughs> coaching, official coaching training. Yeah, yeah, so no, uh, Chris, Chris Ward have done, has done that before. He did that earlier in the season. He was kind of out for a bit doing some like official coaching stuff. So like, yeah, it's it's a thing. It happens. Um, but one of the, I remember they, I was on the call. And Jenna was asking all the questions and then there was only like a couple other people. And I was like, well, you know, all right, fine. I'll ask a question. Uh, and I was basically like, so given the spirits, you know, schedule and everything, have y'all like considered like the plan? Are you going to like, you know, I know you want to start fast in every game, but is, is it especially important in this game? And, you know, Bev was like, oh yeah, like we, we, that is part of the strategy. And I was like, when I was watching it, I was like, uh, <laughs> she was not lying. Uh, they went hard. They went hard. They were going so hard, and I was like, they, the good news is they can't keep this up. The bad news is Spirit is struggling real bad right now. Uh, and yeah, I, you are right. Without Trinity Rod, like she does a lot more than attack. So it is, to me, it's even more ridiculous that she's always up there in like assist numbers, especially like expected goals, expected assists. Um, but then her actual like goal and assist production as well is always up there because of the amount of defensive work she does in addition to all of that. I mean, just an absurd, absurd player. I will kind of never allow, I won't allow myself to become used to what she does in a game and how she impacts the game on both sides of the ball. But yeah, without her, yikes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like, it's kind of crazy too, because I know I think about like some of Trinity Rodman's like big moments. And obviously, don't twist my words to say like, oh yeah, Courtney said that she's like, <laughs> more impactful on defense and offense obviously we know she's a very talented like forward 
put like puts in a lot of work but I feel like for the spirit right now given the fact that y'all are truly playing I mean I tweeted it but the spirit playing a European based schedule of playing once every three days but the difference is you don't have like a a huge academy if you need like call up young players don't have expanded squads um and also with that the and i mean uh, i think carrie pointed this out to me the united states is bigger that like you can fit europe in the united states oh yeah like in terms of travel you're not going like when teams are like if chelsea goes to turin or something like that to go play juventus that's what hour two hour long flight and that's mm-hmm. just like right off the top of my head. You're not flying six hours from DC up to Portland. Yeah, like that those never are very, gets factored very long into in in this country. But it is this country is massive, and travel is bad. It's hard, and you make it on fly commercial. Come on, fam. Just saying, with the what the spirit are doing right now, it's deeply, deeply important. <laughs> and like that defense, the defensive work of Trini Robin getting back on defense and stifling the attack of the opposing team is really really important and if when i think about like some of trini robin's like big moments think about that final game besides the fact that she just decided to put the team on the back a lot of the time she would start by dropping into the midfield and picking the ball off of a chicago red stars player and then creating from there so and we're kind of seeing this new trend um particularly with a lot of honestly black and brown forwards um but i would also give a shout for Paige monahan because she's doing that as well of having your forward drop dropping deep deep and pressuring the ball and trying to start an attack and stuff like that so that is my first nwsl hot take i don't know maybe it's hot take i don't really care uh my second one is for the moment this might be uh until i don't know i'll give it august because technically these teams are like a lot of players on a lot of teams in the nwsl are going to get called up to their respective national teams and leave. We already know Rachel Daly is already with England in preparation for the Euros, all these things. I'm not super mad at Gotham's recent decision to just, and like, and not only in the Angel City game, also in this uh, game against Washington Spirit, to just fully bypass the midfield <laughs> because we know that midfield's not really midfielding. Um, even though I will give a shout to Taryn Torres, who's played well the past two games. But Gotham's decision of just like, you know what? We're really not going to have this very much like building to the midfield and midfield build to the forwards. Instead, we're just going to have our fullbacks getting high, maybe connecting with Christy Mewis, and then just playing it forward to our very quick forwards who can not only run onto the ball, but technical, cross in the box, all those things. And you know, for the time being, because I don't know how much truly is going to change with Gotham's midfield, which like deeply pains me, but for the time being right now, and if it leads to like, Honestly, if it leads to more comprehensive performances, like I mean, like front, like actual front to back team, better team performances, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. So that just like, yeah, we're just we don't have Ali Long. We cannot pass through the midfield in the ways we like to. Even though we have people on the bench who can do it, we're not playing them. Our decision of just like, all right, get it up to the forwards and just see what they do is honestly smart. Because you want Efi and Midge to connect, which is starting to happen more. And so, I mean, technically that, out of the long laundry list of things that Gotham needs to fix, that one is there and it kind of knocks out two birds with one stone. Yeah, I would say if, you, if your midfielding ain't midfielding, um, this is a league where you can kind of try and find ways around that. Um, 
I don't know if it's like going to give you the best long-term success. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if you end up in the championship game, but uh, you can you can do some things, especially if you have Ify and Midge up top. Um, so, yeah, you know, given the transitional nature of the NWSL, you can do it. And I think it's a smart move, but I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of still stuck on the fact that, like, you have the players to play the way you want to. You just won't play them. And I don't like that. I mean, yes, which is why I say I don't love it. I don't hate it. I've I'm just like, it's working for right now. <laughs> it's just it's working for uh, the current Gotham of now, which yeah. also, weirdly enough, I feel like not really focusing on the midfield is allowing the defense to defend better. Because at least for me, Ali, the past two performances that Ali Krieger has put in have been really, really good. Just like especially that performance at Angel City was just like she knew exactly what to do and was just like really, really excelling at it. And I feel like honestly for Gotham, and I mean, literally now we have so many coaching changes in the league. It might might be for like a few different coaches who are still trying to like figure out, like they have an idea of how they want their players to play. Maybe their players aren't executing it either because of injury or, you know, or maybe it's just like not working in the way you want it to. And you kind of have to go to plan B. And if this is like, Gotham's current plan B and then they're eventually maybe gonna revert to that plan A with the correct roster decisions like I don't I don't hate it I don't love it I don't hate it but like at least Midge and Efi are connecting again the defense seems solid like the the bits of I feel like for Gotham since they had so little turnover of roster in terms of their starting 11 even though obviously we know that not having Ali Long has left a huge hole but the idea of how a lot of people thought of Gotham, which is like very solid defense. Yeah, obviously they're probably gonna let in more goals than last season, but like very solid defense, really good forwards. It's like kind of coming to fruition a bit. I don't know how long it's gonna last. That's why I said I was like, give it till August because people will probably start figuring it out. But at least for right now, if it's working, then like it's it's. I'm always a big person of if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know. And so that's kind of what it is for Gotham right now. And moving on to my last hot take. I don't know if we call them hot takes. They don't necessarily <laughs> feel like hot takes. Um, but maybe, maybe it's too early to say, but Houston seems to have turned over a new leaf. Like, Nichelle Prince is now scoring hat-tricks. That, like, that's a new thing. Um, but, you know, the, the, the age-old trope of, hey, get cut out, cut out the rot and you'll prosper very much seems to be working obviously they're not perfect but i feel like this a we know that they're being on a very good unbeaten run of um that like honestly we didn't see at any point last season like truly last season if you went and looked at how they went game by game it'd be like win-win loss loss win-win loss loss win loss win loss maybe a tie but it was just like constantly flipping um like undulating last season there was just kind of no consistency and so for the first time we're seeing Houston with some consistency. I feel like part of that is that Jane Campbell is having a really good season. I can't lie yesterday that not the first save that she made against Endo, but that second save that pains me because she made it against Kristen Press. But that was like a phenomenal save. Like it was just really, really good. And so I feel like her really stepping up and cutting out the rot, at least for what we know of. We also don't know if Clarkson's going to come back because he's talking about an administrative leave. But Obviously, we don't know. Um, but it actually seems like a trend is happening, which for a Houston team that honestly was deeply inconsistent last season is a good thing. Obviously, it's good when it's an unbeaten trend, but like 
Oh my God, look, a trend. Yeah, so it's very interesting to look at Houston and what's going on because the thing that's always been weird about them is that they they have talent and they had, at least in the first Challenge Cup, a style that worked. And we've talked a lot of, a lot about, you know, why that, that it's been confusing to see how they kind of went from that and then did nothing with it. Um, I honestly don't know if I love the fact that like they, they, they kind of surprised Portland and matched up their back three. Then they stayed in it for a couple games uh, and it does seem to be working well. I don't necessarily love Maria Sanchez as a wing back because I think she's much more dangerous closer to the goal. But yo, that assist to Rachel Daly was ridiculous. If I absolutely could, like, absurd. If I could tattoo a pass on my body, right? That would be one of my one of the ones I would do. That was I a just, beautiful pass. And it's wild too because she saw this is the, this is kind of the thing where at least and maybe I have to revisit this. Like I don't, I just think that like you remember early in the season where like she would get somebody on the wing and cut them up, like she was nutmegging people in the box and everything. Like that's what I really want to see. Just get real disrespectful, and then she drops off an assist or she gets a shot off. Like I think that's more directly dangerous. And I, I kind of I like that a bit more because I think you have a much better chance of making something happen like that pass. I just like the the precision and technique in that is just outrageous. I but but the thing that helped is that the defender, I think if you watch that replay again, it's funny, too, because the defender is like, OK, she has the ball in space, but she's she's much closer to the center to the center circle, this to the halfway line than she is like the box. And so if that's the case, just keep her in front of you. But you're also probably supposed to press in that situation. But if you press Maria Sanchez, she's gonna make you look silly. She's gonna embarrass you. She's gonna nutmeg. It's gonna do something to dribble around you. You're either gonna have to foul her or she's gonna be running by you uh into the box on her own. And so like that hesitation allowed her to look up and spot Rachel Daly's run, and then she hit that pass perfectly. And I was like, okay, I can understand and accept you being a wingback if that's what you're going to do. I personally would still like to see you higher, but uh, I can't argue with that. Like, if it's going to produce that, I can't argue. Um, but yeah, I mean, Houston overall is doing quite well. I mean, I think this is their longest unbeaten streak in franchise history. Uh, which is kind of wild because I think they what they lost they lost May first to the Wave the Wabe, uh, and then they beat Kansas City. Then Clarkson was still in charge for that game, but then I think it was the Louisville game. Yeah, it was the Louisville game that Loudon was the first one to take over, and since then you know they drew with Louisville one one, beat Portland two nil in Portland, drew with North Carolina one one, beat the Pride five nil, and then had that nil uh, nil draw with Angel City. So they haven't lost since that May 1st game. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, six match on Bean Run. Like, with midweek games and things like that. Pretty Like, I mean, look, we all thought Houston really turned a new leaf post-2020 Challenge Cup, but it didn't really come to fruition last season. So hopefully, like, honestly, now that Rachel Daly is back with the England squad, um, last night I definitely did see at times of, like, uh, I don't like I have some questions of kind of what's happening offensively, even though, you know, if you started a front three of um, if you are insistent on having 
Sanchez as a wing back, and you like want to do like uh, I don't know, let's say a three four three. Probably playing a three five two, but let's just say they wanted to do a three four three. Uh, if you wanted to have like Prince Abam, honestly, I saw the three of them, Prince Abam and Sanchez, play together, and some very pretty things were happening. So I feel like if they keep those three together, yeah, and you no throw doubt. a Lozy in there, even though I know technically Lozy and Prince play on the same side, but we can think about that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could work really, really well for them going forward. Yeah, I think that there definitely is a hole. I mean, Daly does a lot for that team, but I do think that they should. They have personnel to do it. Um, they just and and this this was kind of always the thing for me about Alosiana Bam is that I like these players are, can be very important to your team. You just got to play them, <laughs> get them familiar mm-hmm. into like with the team. Like that's kind of the thing. Like you you can't rely on Rachel Daly to do everything all the time, and that's kind of they they've been set on doing that. And now without her gone. I have liked that, you know, you've seen a Bam get on the get on the pitch a bit more often. You've seen a Lozy get on the pitch a bit more often than they were doing under Clarkson. And I think that's really important because you're going to need them, particularly in situations like this. Yeah, exactly. But Andre, I know that one thing that you noticed for back threes, they're in the league, even though I have other feelings about back threes in the league. But <laughs> how are you feeling about them? I mean, it depends on which back three we're talking about, right? That That's kind of my thing about a back three. So, like, we've Fair. seen... We just talked about Houston doing it. Um, Kansas City has started to do it a little bit. Um, we know that Angel City wanted to do it, and then basically they had a terrible offseason for their defenders being injured. You know, Paige Nelson and, and shout out to Sarah Gordon, um, who is recovering and hopefully will be back this season. I think hope the plan is probably around August, perhaps. Don't know. She started some some running, some light, some light stuff. So hopefully she can come back uh before the end of the season. Um, and then of course you got Chicago and Portland doing it as well now Chicago and Portland are very interesting to me because I think they're the teams that have been doing it the most consistently they've been lining up in a back three slash back five in Portland's case sometimes um for all of the regular season um they've been the most committed to it and it it seems to be like the way that they're going to play for the rest of this season uh and they're having success in it I think that Sophia Smith really really helps Portland's system look better than it normally would. I think that is also, that's credit to Sophia Smith, but also like, to me, it's also like bailing him out a little bit, or maybe you're doing it specifically because you have Sophia Smith. I don't know. Can she play every minute? Does she need to? You know, those are the questions that I have, especially like in the playoffs and whatnot, when that happens, like, you know, I I have questions, but Sophia Smith is such an outrageous player. She is, I I genuinely believe that she is the best shot creator in women's football, period, uh, across the entire globe. Sophia Smith is a problem, a serious, serious, serious problem, a massive problem, several problems inside of a problem, inside of many problems, with a ring of problems around. Like, it's just, she, she is so, so good. And, like, you get the ball near her, and she finds a way to control it, gets it close to her. She is so strong and so quick and has such good close dribbling technique that she can get a shot off. She can move defenders around. She had very good vision as well. So she can make passes across the box into the box if she needs to. And she has shots we've seen her be able to score from outside of the box, um, edges of the box. You know, that that crazy shot that she, I, I think it was, was it AD that she just shocked the hell out of because who in the world hits a shot at that angle? It was that much velocity. Um, but yeah, she's just like, she's been unreal. 
and still ridiculously young. So like I, I'm, she's one of those where I'm like, you are terrifying, genuinely terrifying every time you're on the pitch and the ball gets near you. So I think she's helpful. But for me, I like the way Chicago is running their back three. I was going to say that it's fu- it's like funny that you mentioned Portland and Chicago because I view their back threes completely differently. They are so different. Or yeah. like, besides the fact that they operate differently, just like in terms of also like, you know, obviously for defenders, back threes, like obviously you don't want your opposition getting in behind you and things like that. But when I think of, and I think Chicago excels at this probably better than portland but in terms of just also like stifling offenses or if someone does get a shot on goal then like the shot on goal that they're getting is like in terms of i don't like necessarily using xg in terms of shots because sometimes it honestly confuses me um of like why one shot is has a lot of xg and why another shot doesn't when they like may or may not come from the same spot you know etc but in terms of like quality of shot that chicago is letting their opponents get I feel like their back three is being is really, really good at forcing the offense to like either take shots from out of the box or like taking shots that like the way I can describe it of like they're forcing their opposition to like take shots that if the goal comes off and it's like a worldie, but like, you know, worldies aren't going to happen every game. I mean, if they do, that'd really be great because uh, love watching worldie. But like, you know, what I'm saying like the actual chance of those goals going in um, are very, very small and they're very good at like. Uh, the word I was thinking about was like suffocating offenses and just like honestly being super stubborn defensively. And I feel like with their back three, that's it's working really, really well for them. Yeah, it's working extremely well for them. I, I like what they're doing in midfield specifically because they basically press the hell out of you if you get into their midfield. Um, they kind of run in like a three, four, two, one. So those like two midfielders get to kind of sit there and patrol, but then those two kind of attacking players can come down as well. And I think this is where Mallory Pugh is really getting like a whole lot of like, she like, yeah, it's much too early to be talking about this, but also recognize what's been going on. Like Mal Pugh has been on, should be on everybody's shortlist for league MVP. She has been ridiculous this season. Um, And I think that this role allows her to do that because she can get in those like midfield spaces and she's very good at that. And her dribbling control and her vision is very good. And you can't, if she gets the ball and she's in the, one of those half spaces, especially with like a high turnover, it's over for you. It's a wrap, just a wrap. And she's extremely good at that. And they're extremely good at getting those high turnovers as well uh, because of the numbers that they commit to pressing middle spaces, middle areas of the pitch. So like, I really, really like it. Uh, one thing that is funny about Chicago, and I think highlights the point that you were talking about their defense. I I need to I probably needed to go back like before this game to do like an actual count. But if you remember, I believe like the last handful of goals, like I know the goal against the the, the Spirit scored against them, the equalizer. I believe Portland Thorns both their goals came from it as well, and I think Orlando Pride one did I know of. I'm not sure about the second, but set piece goals. Like set piece defending is not Chicago's thing. They're getting yeah. ate up from corners, from free kicks, from things like that. So dead ball situations, if you can get them against Chicago, that's how you can attack. But in terms of like open play defense, they're not giving up a lot in open play. And that's helpful. Very, very helpful. But they got to do something about that. Uh, set play. <laughs> set play yeah. Because they're struggling. Well, it's funny you brought that up, those two spirit goals, because I watched... I I watched the extended highlights of that game and then watched like small stretches of it. And it, 
just kind of going back to your point about Malpu in the half space, and like Chicago was creating so many chances that game. Yeah. And I was like, how has Chicago not scored 17 goals? I mean, also at one point I was like, how have the Spirit not scored at least 14 goals? <laughs> but like, yeah, that high press tur- like turnover in good areas, like so much of that comes from Mal. And also the the players that they're putting around her. I know that now Sarah Lubert's back and yeah. um, we know she was tearing it up with uh, Club America. And so I'm excited to see her integrate into the team a bit more. But at least the rookies they signed specifically, um, I think her name is Ava Cook. It's just yeah. like, I just think the rookies they picked up out of the draft were really good and integrated into the team really well. Cause yeah, during that spirit game, I was like, friends, 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 please. How, how are you not scoring? And then I went, then I started thinking about an entire spiel about finishing in the league. But um, <laughs> I was just like, how? But yeah, defensively, like, especially them against OL Reign was just, oh yeah. The only way I can describe is truly like suffocating. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're very good at this. this is why I said when I wrote when I wrote I, t- I took a little heat for it because Malpu has been amazing and she has been amazing in central roles and I think you can do that. But I also think you get the best out of Malpu when she's able to be more unpredictable. So you move her wide, she can go wide and play like a tr- traditional winger, or you can bring her inside and kind of play like a almost like a nine and a half ten situation. You get her in those spaces and she's very dangerous as well. Um, and up, I, I still think that like. A reliable number nine makes that team really, really like that. That's a team that can go very far in the playoffs if they get a reliable number nine. And I, and this doesn't say that the rookies aren't doing a great job because I think they are. But I mean, that's a lot to ask of a rookie. Um, but but yeah, that's why I was looking at it. And I was like, oof, if they had like a legit goal scoring nine, like ooh ooh, we'd be seeing a whole lot. Like Malpe was balling right now, absolutely. But yeah, you give her a bit more freedom. Uh, and allow her to pop up in other spaces you got problems um but but it ain't like they i mean results wise they're doing they're doing quite well right now um and yeah i i you know what in talking about the back threes i basically hit all my three <laughs> to talk about the back threes in the league because four out of the 12 teams are doing it currently uh angel city was going to do it and might be doing it uh at some point so that would be five out of the 12 so i think it's a neat little like tactical wrinkle to the league i like to see it i like to see the variation in the league i like and i like to see the variation in the back threes like we mentioned like portland's and chicago's are very very different um but they they're kind of having success doing different things uh in different ways and so i kind of do like it like the more tactical intrigue we can put into the league it's fun it makes things fun um different questions for players and coaches to answer um my second one was uh mal Pugh, mvp we covered that ben ballin and my third was just Sophia Smith being all of the problems wrapped inside of a problem, tucked inside of several problems, hidden throughout problems throughout the world. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but I was trying to keep going and I got stuck and I left. Uh, but yeah, all of the problems, all of the problems, please, dear Lord, all of the problems. Yeah. And I know we're about to start talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, but we did, I mean, it'd probably be remiss to not technically talk about um the team that it currently has the player with the is leading the golden boot race I'm trying to wait for those words to come to my brain um but and we should honestly do a few a full bit tactical breakdown at some point of just naomi gurma has just yeah. fully just slid into that back line and was like oh i like that that my favorite one of my favorite means of uh like becoming a starting center back in the league what like it's hard i think you like reese witherspoon from legally blonde um <laughs> right. 
but yeah, she has just fully fit into that back line and is playing so well. I think she had a game like um when the Wave tied Kansas City and some some people were trying to come up with some water names for that game and I was like, I don't think any of these are working yet. <laughs> but um she to me she had, truly had like a point saving um oh my block god against Elise Bennett. Yes. And that I was, was like wild. <laughs> I thought you the just, goal, when I saw it live, I thought the goalkeeper got it. And I was like, no, she just kind of like flat. The, came the, the, out of like, nowhere. Nowhere. It was just like, nah, we ain't even letting this shot get close to the goalkeeper. Nah, you good. You good. You, you good. We don't even need you right now. I got this. Like, it, yeah, it was like, haha, jokes on y'all thinking that you were going to come <laughs> in here and score three goals. Even though I will say Kansas City should one because that goal was offside. Uh, that, that equalizer was offside. Not gonna talk. Yes. We're not gonna dwell on it. But I do just want to say, <laughs> uh, I very much believe that goal was offside. Um, but yeah, she's been really, really good. And like, yeah, that just that block man just came out of absolute nowhere. Like I saw that replay and I said, hmm? where, <laughs> where, where did that come from? Okay, yeah, came out of absolute nowhere. It was really fun to watch, and she's been doing really well. And um, also, of course, shout out to my my favorite. Jersey girl, Amira Ali, out here balling. Facts. She should be starting. She should be starting. Yup. And she's not. Anytime she comes in, th- good things happen for that team. But she's not starting. But she should. Yeah. So that was a little, you know, NWSL wrap up kind of like, uh, I guess not wrap up, but just like some intriguing things we've seen, you know, kind of watch out for it. If y'all haven't, you know, uh, if you've seen anything else like popping off, that wasn't comprehensive or whatever, you know, what we just went through. But I think it's it's fun. There's some new things happening in the league, some fun things happening in the league. Uh, and so I think it's cool to talk about some of those things. We'll do more like in-depth stuff as the season goes on. Um, you know, once the table kind of gets to a point where you can maybe trust it a little bit, um, you know, some teams are still trying to find themselves, you know, like it'll be in, like we talked about the dash. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep this up or what they can do. Um, obviously they got coaching questions, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think already you can kind of see this is a very intriguing season. I mean, this is, I, I say it all the time, but this is the deepest um, league in the world. I mean, 12 teams, legit. Anyone can be anyone any day. And I know that everybody likes to say that of their league or their sport, but it is the, it is the most truest thing in the NWSL. It's wild. Uh, the depth of talent that we get to watch. Uh, another plug for hashtag go to games. Uh, all right. We are going to take a small break and then we're going to be back to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team real quick because uh, that provisional list dropped and uh, we see some names we like and we see some things. And I want to talk about uh, I want to run something by Courtney. So we'll be right back. All right, Courtney. So we are back to talk about this. The U.S. Women's National Team, they're going to be in the W Championship they're going to be in that in uh and what what are the dates exactly cuz i forgot and you are uh, our fabulous cbs uh uh proxy <laughs> it's july 4th <laughs> to july 18th the us women's national team kicks off w championship on july 4th so get it with your hot dogs and your hamburgers uh against <laughs> haiti first yes. game oh, okay yeah okay that's uh ooh i listen i'm going to just say this right now Given the way that patriotism and some of the ways that U.S. soccer rolls and some of the people who root for U.S. soccer and the way that they roll, 
Haiti is a, is a tough one. So I'm, I feel bad for Haiti as well. But yo, I'm just saying, if it happened to be USA versus Mexico on July 4th, I was going to have to like watch a replay later. Like, I don't want to like the, the toxic energy could come from U.S. soccer and U.S. soccer fans. I ain't want nothing of it. I'm hoping that we don't get a bunch of that because of Haiti. Leave Haiti alone. But uh, yeah, I'm, I was just really shook that that's what was going to happen. I was like, listen, Lord Jesus, no. We don't need it. Um, yeah, we did not need that patriotism, but I also want to shout out the following game because the U.S. game is at 7 p.m. Eastern, but the following game is Mexico-Jamaica at 10 p.m. That's, that's going to be a real good gonna game. Be a it's going to be a real good game. <laughs> yeah. That one's going to be a banger. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, all that. So focusing on the U.S. women's national team, um, I, we ain't going to go through all the names on the list. Because the, the list was bonkers. It's crazy. Got college players on it and everything. Like, it is a deep list. I think that, like, and I haven't been, I haven't been in depth with, you know, covering the league or teams long enough, especially in these, in these international cycles, to be able to know how common this is. But I feel like it's pretty uncommon for the U.S. women's national team and U.S. soccer to put together a list this expansive. Because of things that we have seen, you know, guaranteed contracts and players signed and tied to the Federation, almost signed to the Federation like they were signed to clubs. Um, now that that's no longer the case, I think you have a bit more of a true, like, maybe not fully, but you have a closer, something that more closely resembles a meritocracy. So what you're going to see, and I believe this is a, a result of it, is you're seeing a lot of players called in, a lot of players getting close, um, a lot of players that they want to look at. And I think that overall is good. Um, so, like, I was excited to see this list and some of the names on it. What were your kind of, like, initial outtakes or initial thought? I don't know why I said outtakes. Initial thoughts from seeing the list. Yeah, so there were a few things um, that I was excited about. Like, besides the fact that, I mean, it's a 60-player roster, which I wish I could, like, go back and look at um, 2018 like if this the same thing happened i mean i'm assuming it it probably happened i'm i don't think the i may i should go on a deep dive for like meg linehan's twitter um but i'm assuming in 2018 that the policies and procedures were like quite similar um in terms of releasing because like so basically um and you can look this up in the rules and regulations of the concaf w championship it's on the concaf website um where basically they like release a 60 person roster or up to 60 and then it gets um, shortened, like, then it gets condensed to 23 for the actual tournament. Um, but, yeah, the way I felt about this was kind of interesting because there was, like, obviously there were names that I was expecting to see. There were some names that were missing. Uh, like, for example, there's no Abby Dahlkemper, no Tiana Davidson. Uh, a, to me, a big miss was Sam Mewis, which to me answers a question of how she is fitness-wise. Um, and I was like, mm, that midfield... Um, obviously no cat, but I did see some inclusions I was excited about, but I do still think that they were missing some players. Like obviously we see um we see some NWSL like technically rookies getting in the list, some NWSL vets getting on the list, like um we see friend of the Potamani Dorsey there, but we also see the inclusion of Sid LaRue and uh J Mac, which like really, really excited me of like, oh, they're actually like giving like it seemed maybe they're actually giving them a chance given their league form. But honestly, with like, you never know with U.S. soccer. 
Um, but I mean, technically, we saw some like Naomi Gurma, who yes has been called into camp before, but technically she is an NWSL rookie. We also see Sam Coffey. Like there are players on here that I was like, oh, this is like it's. I think it's great that they're being getting that they're getting called in, but also at the same time, I like there are also some college players included. I'm not saying that college players aren't deserving of like even though this does not count as a call up like not saying that there aren't college players that are deserving to be on this roster but I do kind of wish that there were other players in not only in the NWSL but also in other leagues around the world that were getting more looks by U.S. soccer like an easy one me official friend of the pod like to me there's absolutely no reason why she is not here on this roster of like why not are are you mad that she didn't choose the league and instead decided to go play in Mexico? Where also, if you are most likely going, like you are going to be meeting Mexico in this tournament, and in, and if you want to get that number one spot and make it like qualify the World Cup, make it to the Olympics, like it's very imperative that you beat Mexico. Which, if you've been doing your homework, you know that they're a very very good team. So having a player who has who plays in a league mostly comprised by players who are being called up on the Mexico roster, why do you call her in? So yeah, that's a big player I'm missing. But also there are other players I'm excited about, like Fallon being called up, friend of the pod, Ali Watt, also being called, um, being included in this roster. So yeah, it's like, it's kind of hard to get when you have a technically like a, I mean, there's 60 players on this roster. But also I'm like, to me, I wish they were looking at other people, if that makes sense. Andre, how did you feel about this roster? Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I don't understand why me official is not there. Um, so our performances, um, if they were paying attention, I don't know if this is punishment or just straight up not understanding that the how good Liga Mekis Feminil is, and that it's not like she went there to like go on vacation. She's been balling. It's a competitive league it's very good so i don't know why they just completely ignored her i'm guessing that the league is not on their radar and that's concerning because it really should be um i personally think that a lot of you know college players coming out should really look at mia officials um path and try to copy it see if you can go to um the mexican league the league down there and 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 play a bit get into a professional environment you know get a new experience and then and then come, you know, if you want to go from there, I mean, it's a way to basically avoid all the drafting and player rights nonsense that goes on in WSL. But also, I think it's a very good experience and gives you a different, um, forces you to work on a different skill set other than what is prioritized in the UFU system. So, like, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I was frustrated by that scrolling through all those names. I did do some research while you were chatting in, um, I think in 2018, uh, Jill Ellis's provisional list was 35 players. So, this being 59, it's a whole lot more. Um, I do think that there are some reasons for that. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, midfield. Listen, Lindsey Aran, if they call on her potato and that knee keeps swelling up and you got to manage that very carefully, I don't know what the fix is there and the solution. Um, I'm concerned about that. Sam Ewis, concerned about that. Her injury, she was back for a little bit and now she's out again. Andy Sullivan, same deal. It seemed like she was coming back from a calf injury. She was back for a bit. In the Gotham game, she gets subbed at halftime, and now she has a quad injury. So it's like, I don't know that it's possible that they're protecting Andy a little bit so that she can get to camp fully fit. 
but also got some injury questions that are popping up now, and I don't love that, and we still have no six. So <laughs> if we don't have Andy Sullivan, uh, we got a problem. So I do think that it is very important to get players like Sam Coffey in there. Uh, I think Danny Colaprico is in there. I think that's really important. I was even looking at like talking in the Vanessa Slack today. Bernardo. Yeah, DiBernardo as well. I was even talking like in the Slack today, like Olivia Vanderyard at uh, OL Reign. Like I, I honestly chuck them all in there. I know you got Jalen Howell. I know she's going to be in there as well. Like we we need as many players to try and grab that spot as possible because it is a it is like that is a position that completely we and we saw it. So this ain't hypothetical. This that changes the team. Like there were other things they could have done in attack to be able to score more um, and be better. But if you don't have a six, a capable six, a six that is played with the team and that you can rely on to do things and move the ball around, uh, you got a problem. And I think that we've got, it's flimsy right now. And that is like a big area that I'm really, really, really concerned about for the U.S. Women's National Team because they got all the attacking talent in the world and they got strong defense. I think they're, they're back, they got a really, really strong back line if they play the right players. Caveat. Uh, but... The midfield is a big old question mark, and I think you've got to build it is with whoever is available. And so some of the performances from some players like Coffee uh, and Colaprico and Di Bernardo are important, and uh, glad to see them in. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for me, I think what I'm just going to be looking at is, okay, what, this 23-player 23, 23 roster, like, well, also... And Andre, I have a question. I don't know if you can if you can answer this. Do you know if all of these players get called into the June camp? Oh. Is there like a June camp and they make the decision? That's a good question. I don't know, but uh I think that would that that would be a lot of players to keep track of. Come on. It <laughs> just would. That's a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could be fun, at least with whoever makes this roster. Maybe it is a time. I mean, it was a joke for a three Four two one, <laughs> even though I also think a three five two, especially look, especially if that midfield isn't midfielding in the exact same way that you wanted to, a three five two could work. I would, I can't lie, I would be very surprised if they kind of revert from anything of three in the front. But I'm just saying it could work. So I was listening to the Equalizer podcast, and it was funny because it was Claire Watkins and Lori Lindsay, and they were talking about it, and Claire kind of brought it up laughing. And I was like, yo, hold on a second, because I started thinking about it. And I was like, hold on. I do think you can run kind of like a, you can almost do like a three four two one where your middle and the fours kind of like operate as like dual sixes. And then your two can be like Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith. Because both of those players operate very well in central areas and they can drift out wide because it because I mean, basically what what we're doing and what we're going to have to do is make up for not having cat cat playing the false nine allows the U.S. women's national team to do whatever the hell they want to do because she can drop into midfield. She can play as an attacking midfielder. You can have Mal Pugh, Sophia Smith, whoever, go in front of her and kind of play as a de facto striker at the moment. There's just so many like versatile things that you can do and all kind of ways to like unsettle and get through a defense. You're not going to have that, unfortunately, big sad. But I still think that you have so much attacking talent in there. And I think you have players that are so informed, like, like Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith, that you're going to have to have a static nine, kind of like either probably going to be Alex Morgan. Maybe Ashley Hatch. Don't know if Balser will get in there. I'm not sure. 
but like you're going to have a, a, a kind of a more traditional nine that's not going to be able to do the same type of false nine movements. Uh, Hatch has done it a little bit, but she's not, it, she, she's not, I don't think she'd be good at doing it on an international level, put it that way. Um, but you look at like having that top player to act as a nine between two center backs, and then you drop in the versatility, the dribbling ability, the quickness, the awareness, everything of Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith. And I know that Mal Pugh can also drop deeper into midfield and act like a midfield. So you can have like a midfield three if you need to. And then you still have Sophia Smith linking to a striker if she needs to. I, I think you have very, very interesting things that you can do with a three, four, two, one. And so I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, I think you've almost convinced me of it. Cause I was thinking a three, five, two, no, it's kind of thinking a little bit about how Portland plays right now. Sophia Smith is kind of in a two up top. Yeah. And thinking like, okay, well, you kind of want five across the midfield because if you don't have, like, if it's just Andy at the six, for example, um, and one thing that I think a lot of people are going to deeply underestimate about the U.S.'s competition is just the truly attacking firepower that every team they're coming against is bringing. Like the like watching those qualifiers and like prepping for this tournament, like the att- the attacking firepower that honestly every single team in qualifiers has is insane. Like there are so there look there is a reason why a lot of these teams when they came out of qualifying had like goal differentials of like plus 25 and like plus 44 like it was insane um but yeah i was thinking like a, a 352 could work of the of like with the pure pur- purpose of like clogging up passing lanes in the middle and then having like smart wing backs that can go forward and defend on the wing to just kind of stifle like stifle the opponent's attack um and then having three very smart center backs, which obviously I know the U.S. has. Um, but yeah, I think you've convinced me on the three four two one. Having said that, I don't think there's a chance in hell we go away from the four three three. So I mean, probably like, not, but I that. want... I, but could you imagine, like, Huerta as a wingback? That's what I'm... See, so this was the thing. You get Becky Sauerbrunn, Naomi Gurma, and Alana Cook. You've got three very, 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 very solid center backs. And two of those center backs are very, very mobile and can stick with a lot of, you know, can can defend wingers uh, that are running at them, can descend, defend Patriot players that are running at them. We talked about Naomi Germer earlier and Alana Cook. It's a world-class, by the way, in case you didn't know. Oh, um, world-class. But but then you got Emily Fox as a left wing back. You got Sofia Huerta as a right. Imagine Emily Fox being able to, I mean, she's going to drift in anyway. Like you, you can overload by just like if you don't want to bring Mal Pugh down, you can bring you know her over. You can bring Emily Fox over, and she can play in some of those roles and areas where she likes to play. Like I just think like you have players that are versatile around, and you could really make it work. But I, I just I again I think I there's no way that happens. We have to play with wingbacks. <laughs> we have to I, play with wingbacks. I, I I know I'm I brought it up. Die and it, if we don't and play with wingbacks. But we're going to be in a 4-3-3. That's how it's going to be. And we're probably going to have Kelly O'Hara as a right back. And we're going to have Emily Fox as a left back. And we'll see what happens in midfield. Big question mark. See... <sighs> we yeah. need we need wing backs. Yeah. I like yeah. need to see the U.S. three at the back with wing backs. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, I really I need to see I genuinely think it would be fun. I mean, I really think it would be super fun because you get like, 
you give Emily Fox a higher starting position anyway, and then they're going to be able to switch the ball because everybody's going to go crazy trying to mark, you know, Sophia Smith, Mal Pugh, Emily Fox, you know, whatever nine happens to be there. Sophia Huerta is going to have all the space she wants on the right side. And that's the last thing you want to give her. So like, we've already seen that sometimes like with, with her and the way that her service is from the right side. It's, it's lethal. It's ridiculous. So like, I think they have so many things they could put pressure on you with overloads. They could pick, they could press the hell out of you in midfield. They could pick through you. They could have players dribble around and through you. If you want to bring Mal Pugh down and get a high turnover and have her do her thing that she's doing with Chicago so well, or yes, to be aware to over there, like it all to me, it sounds very, very fun, and I would like to see it. We're just like, never going to Because even it. a 3-4-2-1 is like technically just like a, a, it's a variation of the front line of a 3-4-3. Three, three, yep. Which yeah. is like a... <sighs> yeah. And see, that's the thing. It could morph into two because it's not like Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith can't play on the wings either. Like they can go mm-hmm. out there and do that as well. And then you're combining with Huerta on one side and Fox on the other. Word? Sign me up for that. But it ain't going to happen. Or even for like... If you want some rotation in, like Midge on the front line or mm-hmm. Midge as a wing back. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about this before, right? When we were doing the free Midge thing and then we were like, but Midge would be a dope wing back. <laughs> like, don't tell nobody. But we do, like, we want Midge to play further up. We prefer her playing as a forward, but she'd be such a dope wing back. And yeah, I think if you want to go all out attack, yes, you absolutely can Midge purse up there as a wing back along with the other attacking players, and you got several more problems. So and like, you can literally, hmm. in a 3-4-3, three, three, just have those t- two center midfielders, just put, make them sixes, and just yeah. protect that back. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you could, you could do it. You could do it. And Emily Fox gets back. I think Sofia Huerta has been very good at, at um, keeping her defensive shape while also attacking uh, and delivering crosses at the top. She's very smart, knows how to do that and take her chances. Yeah, I, I don't think there's... And even if that doesn't happen, I think Emily Fox gets back and then you have a standard back four um, until, you know, the either the sixes can slow somebody down or on the right side, you know, where they can get back. You know, you you can be defensively solid. And that's why I think the dual sixes is the way to go in a three, four, two, one, because basically you're really, really, you know, protecting that back line. But you're also gives you the ability to drop in players that can really carry the ball forward and attack a defense as soon as they get the ball to their feet. So like, and Pew and Smith. So like, yeah. Or Fox. This is, yeah. this is deeply painful to me and my home girl. <laughs> no, we're not I'm telling you when she said it, my when... mind just started going and I was like, yo, we've talked about this before. And the reason we talked about it is because it would be dope. <laughs> like it actually would be really, really fun. It would be so good. Oh, I'm so mad about this. And also given how many teams in the league are currently playing with three at the back. Ah, I'm right. Yeah, Andre, we got to move on before we keep. We we can go hours about this. I was like, I'm thinking about like second starting lineups, rotation. <laughs> oh, absolutely pain. Yeah, let, let, let's let's move on. Uh, real quick, quick break, and then he didn't hyped. All right, uh, he didn't hyped. Um, you know what? I you. You got a real serious one and one that I, I'm absolutely going to co-sign every word. I don't even know what you're going to say, but I know that you're not going to be silly and make ridiculous comments like everybody else that tries to talk about this from this dumb country. Um, when I say everybody else, I mean like basically white Americans and our dumb politicians. Um, but so so I'm going to start with mine because it ain't as important uh, of a topic as yours, even though it's still important. Um, I, what, what, I'm, what I'm heated about is 
that that Trinity Rodman quote that went quote unquote viral. Um, I'm not going to read it because I think it was wrong that it was put in there that way. I think when you're talking to and interviewing players, I think you have to, especially a player that young, um, and you're doing a profile on them. I think you also ask clarifying questions. And you also understand the way that like the craft kind of works is, especially if you're going to be handing your writing off and then like a social team disconnected from you is going to be trying to figure out and social teams, not only where you work, right? Social teams anywhere are going to be handed off and trying to find out what's going to be the thing that pops, right? What are they going to take out? I think you always have to be thinking about these things. And when the quote comes up and something is said in that way, and you have a question about it, I think you have to ask a clarifying question. Um, I, or I think you have to paraphrase in that in that instance and understand what the player has said. But because you ask questions, if you want to use a direct quote, fine. Then you ask clarifying questions to get the quote. But if you're not going to do that, you understand context and you understand the conversation that was going on because we weren't there. You were you were there talking to her, so you have more of an understanding. And it's your job as a reporter to clarify that and make that clear to the reader. And to me, that's where it was really messed up. And so I I appreciated the article. Overall, because I think it's something that I'm glad Rodman had the desire and wanted to talk about. She's mentioned it before to me. She's mentioned it before to a number of other people who have interviewed her uh, and gotten to talk to her that she wants to be her own person. The name Rodman and and she's talked about the relationship with her father not being all that great. You know, we saw him come to that playoff game uh, and then um, after that, like she put the post on Instagram that was like that was weird and sad and you know, happy for me at the same time, a lot of conflicting emotions. It was a lot to put on her at that moment, but kind of what, you know, parents in that situation do sometimes, speaking from experience of being on the other end of that, uh, or on the same end of that. Um, But I just think that like, it made me upset because if you talk to her and you are trying to like be honest and, and put out her words, as soon as you type that quote, you understand how that's going to be perceived. And even if she said it directly, you know that is not the sentiment that she meant. You know that there is not the level of arrogance or flippancy in her contract or older players because she has a respect of the game. I've talked to her before and she had talked so much about how much she loves, you know, nuances in like Kristen Press and Tobin Heath's game. Like she has a respect for veteran players that she looked up to and wants to emulate. Like she genuinely didn't just come out of nowhere and think I'm the best thing ever in soccer. She understands these things. And it was just frustrating for me to see like that quote be taken and posted around when I think if you're interviewing her and you're a writer in that situation, you have to know that that's going to happen and you have to make sure that that doesn't happen. So to me, that was all on the writer. And it shouldn't have been the case. I understand why social teams ran with it because completely out of context, you're like, oh, wow, look at her. She's, and then people start assigning those things that they always assign to black athletes, right? Arrogant, full of herself, thinks she's better than everybody else, things like that. Doesn't understand, you know, the game doesn't have respect for the history or whatever, yada, yada. And it was like, ah, get out of here. That's not, that's not at all what happened. And so I am glad like the writer did reply and say something like, I think everybody knew what you meant. Well, there is one way to make sure and you didn't do it, but I guess at least you spoke up on your Twitter and made sure that that you understood, which is kind of your job to relate to the reader, but whatever. That's what I was heated about now. Yeah, I, I was also heated about that too. I, yeah. I do want to put some blame on the social people though, especially if you're coming from a company that's founded by athletes. 
Facts. like that's you true. should know what it's like to get your quotes taken out of context and stuff like that because there i mean if we're being honest like you can have the most perfect quote or something out of an article and like if someone wants to they can like try to miscue it on social media and all those things um i don't think it should have been there in the first place but even i think if it was like a better like better written quote or like more succinct quote honestly i feel like there are ways that it probably would have been construed anyway but yeah um but i want to talk about what i'm heated about because there are a few things i already talked about covid earlier on the top of the pot so i'm not gonna bring that up again um but literally wear a mask get the jabs um that doesn't get vaccines um like i'm just i'm like literally so deeply frustrated because for anyone who knows me like i literally i so barely leave my house like or like leaving my apartment and stuff like that i've been wearing n95 masks for a very long time thought i was doing like a a mostly safe thing of going to an outdoor bar of like okay i do want to see my friends it's a nice day there's a breeze should be okay instead got put down real bad so i'm just kind of heated about the entire situation of how like that came about and if honestly if the u.s and honestly part other parts of the world but really the u.s took covid more seriously we would it would not be where it is right now um but what i'm mad about is so we've seen we unfortunately all had to we've had to live through the aftermath of all of these school shootings and also for the people who have lived through them and now have irreparable trauma and every time it happens this debate about gun control which honestly unfortunately i don't really call a debate anymore once they let someone go and kill school children in 2011 to me that unfortunately ended the debate about gun control because i was like if you are okay with like little kids dying then there's no debate to be had but what's made me mad recently truly more than anything else is particular really dumb people often a lot of them literally elected to congress being like well like so they'll use these they always have these bad face argument arguments and one of them all of them are dumb but one of them is particularly dumb it is so it is one of the dumbest things i have truly ever seen in all my days where they go after 9 11 we didn't ban airplanes and it's like first of all you i almost cursed real bad but i didn't i held it but you absolute imbeciles life did change after 9 11 a lot like so much i can literally list for you some of the things that have happened since 9 11 9 11 in terms of changes to airport like security our society everything the Department of Homeland Security was created. That did not exist before 9-11. It was literally founded in November of 2002. Yep. TSA did not exist. Yep. Like the reason why you got to put all, you can only have a little bit of liquid and put it in a clear bag and run it through the machine and you're only allowed a certain amount. That didn't exist. You didn't have to show ID at airports. Like you could lit- literally before 9-11, you could waltz into an airport you didn't even ID. In some cases, you probably didn't even really need a boarding pass. And you could get on a plane and it was all fine. Our lives have changed. Not only our lives also in the U.S., but around the world have changed so much following 9-11. Patriot Act as well. The, I, you, about, you literally just took the words out of my mouth. I was like, <laughs> the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. They literally enacted the Patriot Act. The world forever changed forever changed post 9-11 and the fun and the worst shit about these absolute idiots bringing it up of well nothing happened with airplanes besides the fact that they did 
actually change the airplane because they added in more like safety measures for pilots and protecting cockpits and stuff like that. Besides the fact that they literally grounded all airplanes for at least three days and then, you know, changed systems of how airplanes fly, added like our lives were forever changed. Like besides the fact that TSA, the Patriot Act, Department of Homeland Security, checked baggage was running through x-rays. The reason why, if you don't have TSA pre-check, TSA pre-check didn't even exist. T like, something that we now all talk about, like, oh yeah, go get TSA pre-check. Didn't even exist. Going through airport body scanners didn't, like, stopped exist, uh, did not exist before it. Having, like, um, explosive sniffing dogs that you would not see them patrolling the airport. Like, take, the basic thing of taking your shoes off did not exist anymore cockpit protections liquid banning like shoes removed none of that none of that existed before 9-11 and the worst part about it is that we saw a tragedy happen a true tragedy happen and then we said hey we don't want this to happen again and so people acted to make sure it didn't happen again and for some reason every other government in the world will experience something terrible like a mass shooting and be like, you know what? We're going to do everything in our power to have this not happen again. But instead we have idiots in Congress bringing up bad faith arguments. And even in the days since Buffalo and Uvalde, there have been more mass shootings. They haven't even stopped since then. And people are here being purposefully, willingly being idiotic online to rile people up, to distract them from what's actually going on, which is acts are not being passed in Congress and people are still getting killed. And also, I know I've been ranting for a long time, but also some bullshit of people being like armed teachers. Teachers can't even afford crayons, colored pencils. Right. Where are you going to oh, get the stupid. money for guns? Where are you going to get the money for guns? Please explain it to me. Please explain it to me. Because that thing of having the cops come on, they didn't, they didn't stop him. I'm I, like, I'm just so, I'm so tired of it. And you know, it's so bad that like, no shade to the U.S. men's national team, but a little bit of shade, but like they wrote a letter to Congress and we know there are some, there are, there's a good chance there are some gun loving folks in that group. Mm -hmm. And even they were like, it has to stop. So that's what I'm really heated about. Yeah. But I mean, I'm it's, so mad it's about just, it. that it's airplane just thing really took me out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And I just was like, I, it's, it's wild because you see something that dumb and it's almost like I expect it. I expect it because of the times we're in, because of just the way that politics works in this country. That's the side that somebody has to be on and they're going to make up as many disingenuous arguments as they possibly can because there are going to be chunks of this country that believe them uh, and, and want to support them. And it just like that is the part that really, really just I don't know what to do about it. And I, I don't like to sound helpless or anything but it's also like yo if we can't do anything about this what the hell like a truly evil country sees this happen once and does nothing i do not even know what to call a country that sees this happen time after time after time and does nothing and then continues to lie about stuff like and i ain't even coming from the standpoint of like oh they're too smart to know better because I don't think these people are smart. I think they are greedy and evil and it clouds everything that they say, think, and believe. But they absolutely know what they're doing in terms of misleading the people that they want to mislead to continue to support them. 
by telling them basically what this country is doing is sacrificing lives, lives of children, lives of the innocent, lives of the marginalized. And honestly, it's kind of the thing that white supremacy does. A, a country founded on that and tells itself that you need these things in order to be safe as a as a white American, in order to enjoy the benefits of white supremacy, nationalism, and everything else, what you need are to sacrifice. These are the necessary sacrifices. And oh, isn't it interesting? Everybody else has to make the sacrifices for the few. It really, really, really pisses me the hell off. It makes me so mad when people are like, the Second Amendment. Well, first of all, when the Constitution created, people thought I was three-fifths of a person. And second of all, it took someone literally about at least three minutes to go load up a two-barrel rifle. (laughs) Like, it's it just all of it makes me so mad. If you want to even make that, this is the thing. Like, I first of all, founding fathers, get them the hell out of there. Like, burn Uh the Constitution, all of that. Like, yeah, trash people, trash everything. No, they weren't some you know great half deity people who created a and had all these wonderful ideas i'm sorry that's what american history teaches but it is not true look into any one of them homies and you'd be like oh okay they were not great people but i think even if you didn't like to avoid that argument because you're always going to get stuck there for people who believe who need to believe that lie does not the phrase well-regulated show up what do you think well-regulated means (laughs) like we have zero regulation Two 18-year-olds went and just bought these weapons of mass death because they were 18 and legally could. So there was nothing illegal about what they did in terms of purchasing these weapons. That is not, forget well-regulated, that just ain't regulated at all. The only thing we're not allowing somebody to do is be like six and go and buy a gun. (laughs) Like that's it. Anybody else can with whatever in your background of violence against women, which we know is a precursor to a lot of gun violence, anything, it doesn't matter. There are no restrictions and it is, it has been a problem. And every time anybody wants to do anything about it or talks about it from the public, which the majority of the public supports measures of gun control, it always gets halted by idiots and very evilly and calculatedly so. Like, yeah, just that the argument of, hey, this terrible thing happened, a whole bunch of people died, we did something about it, and instead we're living in this constant time loop of a whole bunch of people are dying and nothing's being done about it. And it's just like, God, it's so dark. Yeah, they literally feel people are expendable for what they want and what they believe in and what they feel like they need and slash deserve. And it is the most heinous and evil shit. Um, yeah, I know I said this was going to be heated and hyped, but, um, ain't nothing to be hyped about on top of that. So I think unless you got anything further to add, uh, Courtney, we can just go ahead and end it there. Yeah, I don't. Oh, actually, I do have one happy thing. Oh, okay. Go support Shea Butter FC. They just launched a Patreon. Oh, snap. I like it. So go, go support friends of the pod. Okay. I pre- you, you put us on a high now. I was just going to skip hype, but you know what? That's very much worth it. So I appreciate you doing that. And also Chelsea got a full back. I'm hyped. Okay. Bye. I know. I did do that. And I said, oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.